This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a soggy Monday around the Great Lakes region and cold as well. What in the heck? Who irritated Mother Nature? Oh, wait, it's the end of October. Okay, let's get into what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Kyle Expletive Larson. Are you kidding me? For the first time since 1987, a driver wins three in a row twice in the same season. He just did it again, this time in the playoff fashion. Dominates Kansas and gets another win. This is Kyle Larson's championship to lose. And I can tell you right now, if in November Kyle Larson does not win this championship, I'm going to go off on this show. That's all there is to it. Just be ready. (laughs) And how about Jake Garcia, this young late model star we've been watching for a few years. He'll make his Arkham Menard Series West debut with David Gilliland Racing on November 6th at Phoenix Raceway. Matt Shepard, a dirt modified racing ace, but still has some things to check off the list. Sunday, he did something he's never done before by winning the Eastern States 200 to Orange County Speedway. The victory pocketed him $40,000. And how about Max Verstappen? He held off Lewis Hamilton in the final 10 laps to earn his first United States Grand Prix win Sunday in Formula One at Circuit of the Americas. The win is Verstappen's seventh of the 2021 season. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. We got a loaded show tonight. Three, count them, three great interviews. And uh, Gary, did you know, because the uh, the programming department let that slip through the cracks last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need we need to get with them and and tell them never to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, file a complaint here. <laughs> hey, man, let's get into tonight's show. What do you got for us? Well, Zach, um, Ty Gibbs did exactly what he needed to do Saturday at Kansas Speedway to clinch the 2021 Arkham Menard Series Championship, and that was taking the green flag. The 19-year-old from Huntersville. North Carolina entered the final race of the season with a 34-point edge in the standings over second-place Corey Heim. Uh, That lead grew to 35 points when Gibbs qualified on the general tire pole uh, on Saturday ahead of the Reese's 150, his 11th general tire pole award of the season. Despite leading 99 of 102 laps in the race, Gibbs finished second to Nick Sanchez, who beat him on the the race final restart at Kansas to close out the season. Gibbs, who also won the 2021 Sioux Chief Showdown and the CGS Imaging Four Crown in the Arkham Menard Series, 
ended the year as the runaway Valvoline Lap Leader Award winner, Zach, with a mind-boggling 1,689 laps led through 20 events. You do the math. That's a lot of laps at each event. And if all that wasn't enough, he also brought home the win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series event at Kansas as well this weekend. So quite the weekend for Mr. Ty Gibbs. Is this guy... I don't want to use this phrase because, you know, it's easy for people to throw around, but is Ty Gibbs going to be kind of the next, I don't want to say Kyle Larson because Kyle is exceptional. He races, he wins everything, dirt, pavement, late models, sprint cars, NASCAR. But is Ty Gibbs the next exceptional talent that we're going to see come through the ranks? I think he's talented just because he's never had to sit in a race car that doesn't work. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money behind Ty Gibbs. There's no, there's no secret in that. Um, and the only one that could really compete with him on a week, on a weekly basis in the Arkham and series, uh, was Corey Heim all season. So sure. we will have to see, um, now he jumped in an Xfinity car and won there and there was quite a bit of talent in that event. Right. So, and we'll he did, didn't see. he not pick up a win on a road course earlier this year with Xfinity at Daytona, I think. Right. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So, I think he is going to be, uh, you know, one to watch next year in the Xfinity series. Um, I think you have to pick him as one to watch. I think we're several steps away from talking Cup Series yet. Uh, That's going to be a whole different world for that young man when he gets there. All right, let's talk about some racing a little bit closer to home. Gas City I-69 Speedway had a big two-day weekend planned, but due to rain on Friday night, seven features were run in the second half of the third annual Fall Festival of Speed and Non-Wing Nationals on Saturday. And C.J. Leary won the 25-lap Non-Wing 410 sprint car feature, which was held over from Friday night on Saturday afternoon. Then it was Jason McDougall of uh, Turtletown, Oklahoma. I love that town, man. Won a similar 25-lap feature on Saturday night to headline the top class. But the story out of middle Indiana that's catching the nation by storm this guy, Kyle Larson won. This Kyle guy, Larson won. <laughs> this guy might be the next Kyle Larson, as some have dubbed. Pavement star Tyler Roerig of Plymouth, Indiana. He wins not only this year's Payless Little 500, not only does he win on pavement in the Outlaw Super Late Model realm, but now he's a winner on the dirt in the modifieds. He won the 20 lap modified feature in just his third ever dirt track start, Rich France. <laughs> I. You know, I, I, I talk to Tyler all the time, you know, and, and he and he and oh, you missed in his first ever Silver Crown Series start this year. He finished second in yeah. his first ever Silver Crown Series start. Yeah, good point. Um, I don't know if there's a limit to what this guy can drive, but they I don't think they've built it yet. I mean, you could put him on a front wheel drive just for fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to stink up the race and, and, and you know no he's well and we've uh, talked to him before he would love to get behind the wheel of a winged dirt sprint car or something like that i mean he he i don't know uh, somebody was joking around on my social media and said is he the next is he the local version of a kyle larson and uh, uh, kind of this kid can drive anything yeah i th- i think he has the i firmly believe if he has the connections to drive whatever he wants to drive um, and he just, he just loves racing. You know, we, yeah. we've talked to him quite a bit. It doesn't matter where he's at. He just loves being in a race car, whether it's got fenders or no fenders, uh, wing or non-wing, it doesn't matter if it's on pavement or dirt. 
you know, I caught up with him last year at Kokomo. I said, did you make a wrong turn? Uh, <laughs> and he, he kind of laughed. But, uh, no, he's just having a lot of fun right now, Zach. He really is. And, 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 he's, and he's pretty successful at what he's doing, and he's really good at it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, man, uh, that's pretty much what's going on in and around our region, um, you know, with uh, racing wrapping up in this area. Uh, M40 Speedway, they did have an event over the weekend, but, Rich, kind of hard to come across results from that. Uh, here they had a good turnout of race cars. But, uh, unfortunately, we don't have any results to pass along. I just want to recognize that they did hold that event over the weekend. Uh, just kind of hard to come across who who were the winners and losers of that one. And we promoted the event. We announced it last week on the show and said they were having it. And I guess that over 100 cars in the pit area, which is awesome. But uh, we got to get with the folks at M40 start posting their stuff so we can share it with the fans. Kind of a late well, I'm not even going to call it late. Just delayed uh, interview. Uh, we had a chance, Rich, you caught up with this guy trackside uh, a couple of weeks ago, and now we uh, get a chance to break it all down. Let us know who we're talking to tonight. Yeah, Zach, if you remember last offseason, this gentleman finished second in our HPH Best Driver Challenge for template late models. Um, I think he took offense to that because he is your 2021 ARCA CRA Super Series champion, makes his home in Auburn, Indiana. Hunter Jack, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Uh, always like chatting with you guys. Man, a uh, little over a week ago, um, you were able to close the deal. How does it feel? Oh, really good. Uh, it's been a really awesome week. I've got a lot of uh, texts and calls and comments. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, been a long time coming. Uh, all the hard work and everything finally paid off, It and it feels really good. We talked throughout the season, and and that was the goal uh, from from minute one. And really, you guys held the lead, uh, and and just kind of you really didn't ha- have to do anything special. But uh, you really, except at Winchester, that got interesting for you. But for the most of the season, um, you were really at the top of the points. Uh, yeah, you know, we had a really good car all season. Uh, really, really fast. Um, we were right there knocking on the door for wins pretty much everywhere we went. Uh, even tracks we struggled at in the past, uh, we were really good. Uh, and, and, you know, the beginning of the season there, we were able to, to finish those races pretty strong, and, and that gave us a, a good run in the points. Uh, and then we we were the regular season champion, which helped a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as, as far as points go, and it, it was a really good season for us. Uh, just being consistent. I kind of took offense uh, to one of the comments that I saw on social media after you had won the championship. Somebody said uh, that the wrong guy won the championship, that Kyle Crump was the best car all season and he should have been the Super Series champion. And, you know, they were slamming the format the CRA uses, which is obviously very similar to what they use in NASCAR. Uh, That's a whole other discussion for another time. I think that you were so consistent that people just kind of overlook that 41 car and don't realize how often you were up front this season. I mean, just because Victory Lane didn't call your name a whole lot, it doesn't take anything away from how good you guys were this year. Yeah, uh, you know, Kyle had a really good season as well. Uh, got some big wins there. Um, and, and yeah, the, the format, you know, people have both sides to it. Um, but I, I think it's it's been pretty cool to do something different. Um, and you know, we've, we've been on the other side, uh, on the other end of that, 
where it didn't work out for us. Um, but, I, you know, we were right up there uh, competing for wins. We had the speed. We just couldn't finish it off. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a, a good season, and, and I think people are going to have their opinions on both sides side of that talk to me about and rich alluded to it let's talk about the winchester 400 now uh this was a race where you had a pretty good race car you were minding your business you did what you need to do to be in contention to win a 400 and that stay out of everybody else's mistakes and then all of a sudden the gremlins bit you and they bit your other championship contenders too in that same race and then all of a sudden it looked like that championship battle was going to come down to whose mechanic could get their car put back together better and more quickly. Take me through what happened and what it was like for you inside that race car throughout all that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we qualified pretty good. Best I've ever qualified in the 400, uh, started six there, uh, ran pr- pretty much in the top five for the first part of the race there. Uh, and then we, we pitted and as the race went on, uh, the car was really good. Uh, we got a longer run there and I actually was able to go up and take the lead, which is just blows my mind. That was really cool to lead the Winchester 400. Um, and And it wasn't like, by the way, I want to note that it wasn't like you led for a couple laps and then, you know, one or two laps and you know, whatever, uh, you, you guys were out front for, for a few laps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we actually pulled away there from Corey Heim uh kind of took advantage of of the pit stop strategy um and and then we got to i can't remember what it was but i got spun out by dalton armstrong there i don't know what happened there um but that that's kind of what led to our issues you know we had a left front shock break and then that led to a bad vibration and then that vibration actually ended up breaking my left front lower control arm um you know had that not happened I think we had a really good shot at winning the race, if not right there in the top three. Um, you know, I mean, the car was, even with the vibration, the car was still super fast. And I got to thank Jimmy Tucker for that. He he was on his A game all weekend long, uh, and the car was super good. And, Hunter, speaking of Jimmy, you know, I I was watching as you drove up through the lead. I mean, you didn't just come out and t- inherit the lead on a pit stop. You drove up through the top five, through the field, because you had good tires. That was your strategy at that point, and th- and and those guys chose not to come down pit road. But you took the lead, and I went down there and I talked to Jimmy, and he just gave me a wink. Um, you guys were really that good at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, he just the pit strategy was it was really good. Um, and, and I drove up to the top five there and the car just, I mean, I was just riding at that point, but the, the car was really good. And, and, you know, we were just, we were still kind of just, our strategy was like based towards getting the championship. We weren't even, we wanted to win the race, but the championship was, was first. And, and then that's that as the other competitors dropped out, um, and you know, we, we were able to have luck there. Um, then Jimmy told me go win this thing, and and then that's that's when our lower control arm broke. But it, it was cool to be right up there in the mix for a for a little while anyway. Now this had to have bothered you because it sure had my attention. You're sitting on pit road. You have the crew 
all over your race car, changing that lower control arm, and you watch that number one Jags machine drive back out on the racetrack. Tell me what's going through your mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I stayed pretty composed. Uh, our, our spotter told us that they were working on it, trying to get it back out there. Um, but I knew my guys were working really hard. I mean, Johnny Van Dorn was over there pitching in. Uh, Jimmy was under there working hard, my dad. And then like three or four other guys were under there and they got, they got a lower control arm changed pretty fast. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good job. It takes a little while to do. And it it was awesome. They got me back on the track and we were basically just riding it out at that point, uh, trying to secure that championship and it all worked out, but yeah, those guys worked super hard. I I can't say thanks enough. I love how composed too. I was up in the spotter stand and I love how composed it looked like your entire team stayed. Uh, even as the Jags car, they started thrashing because they kind of looked at everything and went, man, if this 41 car doesn't get back out there, you would have had to not finish the race and they would have had to have ran every lap to make up for what you had put them a lap down. But at any rate, your entire team just stayed so composed to that whole situation and that's the difference I think it makes in a championship team and, and someone who comes up short. Yeah. I mean, uh, we had a, we had a lot of guys that, that don't normally help us help us this weekend. Uh, some guys from Austin Dom's crew and then some guys that have helped me in the past. Uh, but you know, I mean, Jimmy was honestly a, a really good team leader this weekend. You know, he kind of grabbed everybody before the race and, and kind of went over what we're going to do and, and what we're here to do. And he, you know, he's just a good leader. He kept everybody, told everybody what they need to do. Uh, and he told me what I needed to do to, to go win that thing. And he was a hundred percent right. Uh, r- really, really led us to this championship. Now, l- let me ask you, I, I mean, we've, we've known each other since you started, you know, since you started running with CRA and, and obviously your dad was, was, uh, you know, doing most of the work. What is we talked to you at the Snowball Derby last year when Jimmy came down there with you. What is the difference Jimmy's made with your team? Uh, there's just uh, a lot of a knowledge about, I would say, about, well, race cars in general, but also the Van Dorn car side of things that, that Jimmy's really smart about. Um, and then he's just he's really good at doing the tuning at the racetrack type of, type of side of things. Um, he just, he knows what he needs to change. You know, sometimes we only get an hour of practice and he gets the platform of the car, right. And and we make small changes here and there. And I mean, every time the race is rolling around this year, I mean, the car has an awesome drive, turns good and and it stays the whole race, which is kind of what we struggled with in in the past. Uh, you know, we normally end up, I want to say towards the free side of things, but I mean, this year it's been awesome. I mean, even though uh, we came up a little bit short at a couple places, the car was still super good. We just needed to find find that extra bit of speed to win the races. But I'm extremely happy with uh, the way the car's been this season. He's just been awesome, brought a lot to our program. Led some laps at the Winchester 400 and uh, had some good runs along the way. So obviously I, th- I think we're now with the point season over, What's left? Uh, I mean, you guys had a competitive car. You ran well. Are you eyeing the All-American 400 coming up this weekend? Tell me what's going on. Uh, we actually decided not to go because it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, we, we really wanted to go. We ran competitive at Nashville there in the, in the spring, 
Um, but you know, maybe we'll go next year. Um, but we're kind of aiming towards the snowflake derby doing that again. Uh, we're trying to work out some sponsorship right now. Um, but that's kind of what we're setting our goals towards. Uh, we were pretty good there last year. Uh, we get, we know what we need to do to be better. So we really want to go down there and, and try and win the snowflake this year. It'd be really cool. So the snowflake, uh, of course, to uh, for our fans who aren't 100% sure, Snowflake 100 is, of course, the pro late model portion of the Snowball Derby weekend, kind of like the All-American 100 is the 100-lap pro late model portion of the All-American 400 weekend. Um, so why not the supercar going down there and running the Snowball Derby? Um, well, we were kind of thinking about uh, if we wanted to do that, but I just don't know if we're – to that point i mean i i have the confidence we could go down and run good but um you know we got we got these uh sponsors lined up we really want to go down and and try and win the race and i think we we know we have a good shot at, at winning the snowflake um but i was there last year and and just watching how hard it is to to make the snowball derby and i, I don't know if we're to that point yet um but like I said, we want to go try and win the snowflake, and then maybe we'll try the snowball derby the year after. You know, fans of pavement racing will remember that winning the ARCA CRA Super Series Championship usually would result in some sort of start with the Arkham Menard Series, whether that was, uh, you know, you got sponsorship or you got help or you got the automatic license or whatever it was. Uh, are you eyeing that at all for 2022 and, and going up there and maybe following Greg Van Alsten, seeing what's going on in the Arcus, uh, in the uh, Arkham Menard series? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely would love to, to move up that ladder, um, you know, towards NASCAR. That's always been my dream since I started racing go-karts. Um, we just need to work hard at, at finding good partners and, and, uh, go win some big races and maybe that could happen for us. I mean, you know, this was a great year, great turning point in my career for, for this season. Uh, so like I said, you know, we'll keep working hard at, at finding those partners that just, it takes a lot more to run ARCA than it does what we're doing right now. So, you know, hopefully in the future here, uh, that'll be something we can do. Hunter, I want to give you a chance here because I know you got this going on. And um, you're a champion, and, and so we're going to give you the platform. Tell us about this Team 41 apparel you got going and, and these graphics that you're doing. Uh, I noticed throughout the summer you've been staying pretty busy. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we, uh, we got, a, like, a printer, a cutter, and a laminator uh, a few years back just to do our racing stuff. Um, and then my parents were going to uh, try and do some stuff with it, and they never really got the chance, just too busy. Uh, so I actually learned how to design and, and do race car wraps and vehicle wraps and stuff like that. Um, and I've been doing it for about two or three years now, and it's been going really good. Uh, I've, I've done a, five of Greg's ARC cars, and then he got me with another guy, and I actually did ARC wrap for him, and those turned out really nice. Um, been doing a lot of late model stuff and just trying to grow that and – Eventually in the future here, we'd like to get a, a screen printer and, and do some shirts. But, yeah, I've just been working hard and trying to grow that, and it's been really fun. I love doing it. Last thought here, and, uh, you know, we love talking to you and talking about what you've got going on, but I want to get 
and we've done this before, I want to get the Big Brothers feelings on how Tanner did this season, Rookie of the Year, in contention to win a championship that weekend with you. Uh, I know that you guys as a team were disappointed in, in how that weekend wrapped up, but his efforts this year uh, in his first year with the Jegs series, how, how did you feel about how he did? Uh, he he did phenomenal. Uh, he was he like uh, in the past he he needed to be more aggressive and kind of you know go attack the racetrack. And this year he really did that. Um, he he had really good finishes, had good speed everywhere. Um, and then at Winchester there he ended up qualifying I, I believe third. So you know he he wanted that championship bad and he he proved it. Uh, he was, he was really good. I feel like, uh, that was his championship, but it just didn't work out that way. Um, but I'm super proud of him. He still got the rookie of the year and he ended up second in points, which is, it's, that's a big accomplishment for him. But, uh, that's, that's really what happened in that race is really what motivated me to go out and get my championship i wanted to go out and beat that one car yeah i I figured that that was a little motivation a little help for you on sunday yeah yeah i mean that i mean if if they had not got that caution there it would have been tanner's championship um so it just yeah it really crushed me there on saturday um but you know we put our heads down and we went and got the super series championship so that that kind of helped a little bit Uh, i think he's still a little sour over the deal, uh, but I know he's going to work hard this winter and, and uh, go do big things next year. Well, Hunter, congratulations on everything you accomplished this year. I'm looking forward to seeing what 2022 has in store for you. Nice work, and uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, our appreciation to Hunter Jack and the entire Jack family. I think you're going to keep an eye on those two young men as the uh, years continue, but uh surprising as he kind of alluded to that hunter's not going to the all-american he did run well there in the spring in that supercar yeah he sure did zach and and we're going to be heading down there in just a few days yeah uh all america all american 400 three-day weekend don't you just love three-day race weekend and actually it's more like a five-day race weekend for us by the time we get down there and get out of there i'll be leaving wednesday to uh, head to uh, music city usa I'll be taking uh, Brian Osborne going to come down again and take in the All-American 400. If that tells you how Great. how big of an event it is, you're getting the dirt fanatic to go down and check out what's happening at Nashville for the second year in a row. And, uh, yeah, hauler parking, welcome party on Thursday, local racing Friday, the uh, CRA Street Stocks and Vores Compact Touring Series on Saturday, and then, of course, the big shows on Sunday, Rich France. That's just glazing the top of it. This is a huge weekend, and we got to dive in and see what's going on. Yeah, really. So let's let's start with the pro late models. You know, um, I talked to Stephen Nassi at Winchester uh, last week, and um, he's going to come back to try to defend his title. Uh, he's the defending champion of that. Those pro late models, Zach. You you know, you've been down there several times this year. That's one of their regular weekly divisions. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we saw Hunter Wright step out and and head to Winchester, uh, and and that's his home track. Uh, Talk about these guys that run down there. They, I mean, 
those guys get around that five-eighths mile awfully well. This is such a competitive division, too. Michael House is, uh, has a chance to win another championship at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, but he's got two former track champions right there with him uh, in the uh, defending champion, of course, with that number 89 car, Dylan Fetcho. And then, you know, this is a guy that I think a lot of folks are keeping an eye on is uh, is another former champion, and that's Cole Williams. And Cole went to that Rackley Roofing team and they're still just kind of working on mellowing out and, and gelling together. I think you're going to have to keep an eye on all the Rackley cars this weekend. Uh, you know, Brittany Zamora became the first female winner in a premier division at Nashville. She was in a Rackley car. Of course, Willie Allen knows how to get around that place. He's going to be in the Super Series race. Uh, this is this is kind of Rackley war racing territory down there all of a sudden this year. Uh, aside from Michael House, who's picked up a win and has run well, uh, I think you're going to keep an eye on those guys. You're going to have to keep an eye on, uh, you know, as I said, Cole Williams and, of course, Dylan Fetcho. Uh, how about William Hale? He's been running really well this year down there. Uh, that 62 car had a top three finish, uh, crossed the line in the top three, unfortunately failed post-race tech inspection, and so he doesn't have the official results to show it. But, yeah, these pro late models that run down there on a regular basis, they are very competitive and, and really a lot of fun to watch and i think we have to really you know if, if you go on the super late model side zach I, I think you have to keep an eye on jake garcia don't you yeah uh the young man is the southern super series champion he is the blizzard series champion for 2021 uh he ran very well uh on for 399 laps yeah. uh at winchester a week ago um what do you think about Jake Garcia? Can you do you want to go out on a limb and say he can win this race? I don't. I'm not going to take that limb. Uh, you know, say what you want about that. I'm, I'm not going to take that limb. I'm just looking at the other guys that are going to run in this Super Series race, and I think that that Jake has come up short. He hasn't been able to punch his ticket in that premier, uh, you know, crown jewel event yet. I'm actually eyeing Sammy Smith to do the double in October. I, I think that he's got a real opportunity here to do Winchester and All-American. The problem is he's going to have to go through a couple of really good super late model drivers. Derek Griffith is coming down to Nashville. Uh, as we talked about, Jesse Love, the uh, the driver who uh, won an Arkham Menard Series race this year, he's going to be in Nashville. Willie Allen, as as I previously mentioned. How about Hunter Wright going to put a supercar together? How about uh, Carson Quapple, who dominated that 100-lap race earlier this year at Nashville? As you mentioned, Stephen Nassie, and uh, I think a favorite of the show, Kyle Crump is going to put that uh, Crosstown Auto and Truck Parts number 50 in the show for the All-American 400, and I don't think you can overlook that car. No, no, you can't, Zach, but there are two guys that we know for sure are not going to be in it this year that were in it last year and had a chance to win the event. Uh, Carson Hosevar and Corey Heim, they're going to be a little little busy in trucks yeah. <laughs> that day, so, uh, so they're not going to be at that event. But there was one peculiar name on the entry list that is missing okay and is he doing it on purpose or is he not plan does he not plan on coming to this event who you and who, by that i mean by that i mean bubba pollard uh, i should have known you were going at that route well you know I, I don't know he's been pretty quiet this year hasn't he he sure has and that makes me wonder if he's uh you know if he's planning on competing at that event because he has not been 
traveling too far away with with, with a super late model. You know, he right. he made some changes at the beginning of minute middle of the season. Went to Port City, uh, did win a race down at Five Flags Speedway, but uh, haven't heard much out of the Pollard camp since then. So I'm wondering. Dalton Armstrong also entered uh, the driver that nearly won the Red Bud 400. He led what he lead two laps at the Winchester 400 before that car had a mechanical failure. Uh, of course, uh, Jackson Boone, a former champion at Nashville, he's going to enter this Super Series race as well. Austin Nason, he almost won the Red Bud 400 as well. He was in contention for that race. Really, uh, a strong field of competitors here. In this uh, entry list, they got about 29 cars strong. You know what? The name that I'm surprised I don't see, and it's probably because he just got done racing out in California, Derek Thorne had such a run in last year's race. If he and Carson didn't get tangled up on the front stretch, I think folks would have been chasing that 43 car all afternoon. Derek Thorne, you have to remember, Derek Thorne could have won the All-American 400 and the Snowball Derby yes. very, very easily. He was that strong the end of last year. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of what we see. That's kind of what we think. Uh, 30 cars entered for the um, All-American 400, the uh, super late model portion of things. And they have, as of right now, 38 pro late models pre-registered for the All-American 100. And uh, that's just, I mean, (laughs) that's why on Saturday and Sunday we're going to see last chance qualifiers because there's a lot of cars that want to punch their ticket into the show. Zach, what I'm hoping is that we can make amends and we could, how about we just park uh, Kyle Crump and Austin Nason right next to each other. It'll be a great weekend at Nashville. They'll get to talk things over, make things right. Right. Well, yeah, sure. And, and we'll keep, uh, we'll keep cameras pointed in that direction the whole time. And <laughs> it, it, it'll be great. How about Buddy Kofoid, by the way, entered into the All-American 100 that you're thinking, Buddy Kofoid, Buddy Kofoid. Uh, you're thinking USAC midgets is what you're looking for. Uh, he's looking to make, I still believe this will be his pro late model debut. He was supposed to be coming to Nashville earlier this year, back in September, but that weekend got rained out. Uh, so now he's going to make the All-American 100 his debut. How about Charlie Keevan? You remember that name from the uh, from the CRA Victory Custom Trailers Junior Late Model Series? He's entered in on the pro late model side as well. Um, and so uh, really some talented cars in the pro late model field as well. So it's going to be a great weekend, Rich. Zach, let's not forget about the CRA street stock. Yeah, because that we got a couple gentlemen that are just going to have some fun, and it, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Kenny Wallace and Ken Schrader are both going to be in a CRA street stock. That'll be pretty cool. And for those who are keeping track, they are not just in knockoff street stocks either. Kenny Wallace is going to be behind the wheel of the double zero machine. Uh, I believe that's a Brett Hudson car. He is always very strong in CRA street stocks. Brett is entered into this race as well. And then Ken Schrader is in a Chuck Barnes uh, automobile, which, again, Chuck won at Salem, I do believe, earlier this year. Very competitive race cars. So, uh, you know, those those two car owners couldn't give us mulligans and put them in some garbage. No, they had to put them in good race cars for Saturday night show. It'll make it interesting, you know, and all the, and and those guys. And I'll tell you, Zach, we know this firsthand. Uh, the CRA Van Hoy Oil Street Stocks put on a great oh, show. Oh man, a fantastic show! These cars are so even; they're always running together. Nobody just drives away and and just leaves the field. It is just fantastic. Jason Atkinson, the champion here in uh, in 2021. I'm assuming he'll be there. Uh, 
they just put on an outstanding show wherever they go. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to it. We'll have the scoop, and uh, next week's show will be uh, from Nashville, so that'll be fun to hear uh, hear kind of how everything wrapped up, and, and we'll be looking forward to doing that on Monday as well. Okay, Rich, our next interview tonight is a, a gentleman who has made some waves already early in silly season 2021-2022, and anytime that there's a change in a racetrack, you're going to have some people with opinions on it, and we want to hear it straight from the source. Rich France, let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, normally you see this gentleman uh, in his very sharp race cars. I love the wraps he puts on them, uh, races them out in West Michigan, northern Indiana. This a uh, couple months ago... Um, he made a big announcement. Uh, he is the co the owner and promoter of Plymouth Speedway, and uh, Plymouth Speedway. We've been down there. There, it was dirt, and he's made the decision to go back to pavement. We'll get into all that. He makes his home in Lakeville, Indiana. Kevin Sauer, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. How you doing, guys? Man, first of all, before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, uh, what what uh, kind of made you decide to go this direction with Plymouth? Uh. The main thing was is uh, we just didn't get the support. Uh, it was going the opposite direction. I wanted it to, and we just made a decision. Um, I'm more on the asphalt side than the dirt guy. You know, I do nothing about dirt when I, you know, I raced it one time, but I bought uh, when I bought it. So we were going to give it a shot. Halfway through the decision, halfway through the season, we just started to change our mind about a few things, and we made a we made a huge decision. I, I read a comment um, on social media. You said it's not that it was bad before, but we were trying to, we're trying to make it better. Um, what exactly about what about asphalt? Do you think, in your opinion, will make it better? Well, it's not about running a weekly show no more. Um, I, we also own South Bend Motor Speedway. We're not going to run a weekly show there. We're going to run some big shows. Uh, that facility is also going to use for concerts, rodeos etc etc so the asphalt um shows i could run better than i could the dirt at this point um i mean i doesn't like i said it does if we're not i i wasn't saying it wasn't when when people took my word in content like that it was going downhill well it wasn't what we wanted it to and we know we can make it better so that's why we did it I love this uh, layout that you have here. You know, Outlaw Super Late Models, of course, are near and dear to your heart. That's what we all see you behind the wheel of. And what we're seeing here, according to PlymouthMotorSpeedway.com, is a little four-race, uh, I don't want to use the term challenge series because, my goodness, is that oversaturated up here all of a sudden. But we're talking about a four-race series here where $6,000 to win race one, 7500 to win race two, Ten grand to win race three and twenty grand to win uh, race four. Am I reading? That? Or I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, twenty grand to win race number four. Am I reading that right? One hundred percent. Wow, that is, that, that's big money through through the entire field that goes out. Yeah. So yeah, and and yeah, let's talk about the other number that people care about, right? Five hundred to start, five fifty to start, six hundred to start, six fifty to start yep. these races. Yep. That's what uh, we want. We want. Uh, we wanted to try a different. To try something different. Actually, I was laying in bed one night. And I started thinking about. It. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, if I was a racer, what would I want? And that's what I decided to do. You know, I thought, well, heck, that'd be a good idea. And the response we got off it is incredible. We got guys coming from Ohio already getting our, you know, rules and everything. I just talked to uh, 
the Bozells up in Michigan, and a lot of drivers. Um, we're talking 50 to 60 drivers are interested in this right now. Do you feel at all uh, – oh, go ahead. Sorry, Kevin. No, you're okay. It's just it, – it, we knew it was going to be big, but we didn't think it was going to be this big. And by the response we've gotten already, it's, you know, the sponsors that's coming on board. You know, usually you got to go out and find some sponsors. You know, don't get me wrong. We're doing our homework and everything, but they're calling us up. Hey, we want to be a part of this. <laughs> nice. We want to be a part of this. Hey, we'll cover third place on all four races, you know. Wow. I mean, that kind of stuff's going on right now. So it's working real well. We just posted the other day. Um, we had 102 pit pads for sale. We sold in 16 hours, gone. Yeah. So it's it's definitely going the right direction. Are you concerned at all? Uh, I mean, up here, our discussions about outlaw super late models are kind of where are they? Uh, you know, and, and they're being pulled a lot of different directions. Uh, there's some differing rules. There's a new tour. There's uh, another uh, more tracks trying to run them. Are you concerned at all that you're going to run into that same problem of, okay, there's decent money on the line, but where's my field? Or do you think down there in, in middle northern Indiana, you're going to be able, you're going to be okay? And if so, why, why do you feel that way? Uh, not to sound conceited, but if you, and the old saying, you treat them right, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, me and my brother are racers too. We, we look at it like, what do we want? It's not, you know, in the, in the long run, yeah, it's about the money, make sure bills are paid and everything like that. But it's not to, to make that gazillion dollars in the first night. You know, we know dang well, when race four gets there, we ain't making nothing. It's, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. We got a we got a following of people that we we treat pretty decent, and they treat us pretty decent. And yeah, I think it just works out. I really, I do not, uh, not scared at all. Believe it or not, not not one. The only thing I'm scared of is not being 100 percent the facility 100 percent ready on day one. Wow, that's the only thing I'm scared about. Kevin, I have to ask you about this. Obviously, you know. Um, you know, Tom and Tracy Hernley picked up Spartan Speedway, uh, Corgan Oil, and, the, and they brought the Outlaws back there. Uh, you're very familiar with the Outlaws and where they run at Kalamazoo. You yep. have big Outlaw late model races uh, yep. at Flat Rock and Toledo. How do you, and, you know, and the Summer Sizzler, how are you going to juggle not getting on top of those events so you can have, a, have, have it on your own where these guys don't have to choose where they want to go? What we did is our homework. We, we looked into it, looked into it, looked into it, and we picked out those dates that we thought would work for everybody, putting about a four-week in between each race. Um, that was our idea, so we didn't, we didn't have uh, conflicts with anybody. Um, Kalamazoo is probably the closest one to us that runs, you know, on a, not a regular basis, but more than uh, any other track around us does. And so being on Friday nights, we didn't want to, you know, I know Randy Willell didn't want to, we don't want to burn no bridges with nobody. So we picked those dates, got them out early, and the response has been positive. Not, not one track, as we said, you know, said we filed or, you know, scheduled on them or around them, you know. So I, I don't think – I really – I don't think it's going to be an issue. We had an announcement today. The name um, is, is, is the Grand Slam Series. That's okay. what the races are going to be called then. And uh, now they just added on the incentive to that. If the same driver wins four four races, he wins ten thousand dollar bonus. Three races, he wins five thousand dollar bonus. Two races, a thousand dollar bonus, et cetera. You know. Wow. 
Wow. And, and by the way, I want to mention, too, good money for all the divisions that are scheduled to be a part of these races. Sportsmen, uh, 3000 to win, 4000 to win in, in race two. Street stocks with two grand to win, 2500 in race two. How about front-wheel drives? Nobody's putting up this kind of money. $1,000 to win and $1,500 to win. Hornets, 500 and 750 and 1000 Um What ways are you going to utilize the two-track system to help Plymouth, you know, be a good place for racing. You mentioned the other events that you want to do there, but to go there to watch a race, how are you going to lean on South Bend and, and, and kind of help make both tracks successful? That that was kind of a tough decision. You know, me and my brother are, he's a partner with me in South Bend, and uh, he, at this point, didn't want to be on board with Plymouth. He'll help and do everything he possibly can. He's got a lot of things going on. So that's one thing we sat down and talked about. How do we want to do this without taking away from what we build at South Bend? South Bend's a weekly show. You know, we haven't, uh, in six years, we've had two bad nights, to be honest with you, knock on wood. Um, I ain't saying that we made thousands and thousands of dollars every night, but on the negative side, we've had two nights out of six years where we went negative. Um, you know, it, it, I don't, we, we tried to make it, we, we tried to make a plan to where we're not going to be an effect in anybody. Either direction. Kevin, yeah. Kevin, let's talk about Plymouth and the construction that you're doing. Um, you had to pull, <laughs> you, you had to pull a bunch of dirt off of that thing and you didn't know, and you had no way of knowing what was underneath it, to be honest. Um, until no. you got there, and until you got there, talk to me about what you've discovered uh, and what you have to do uh, to make that racetrack raceable in the spring. Uh, day one, uh, when I first started, I uh, was down there by myself, got a loader, and I started etching myself down to the pavement in turn three and four. Um, expecting the worst, but, you know, not, uh, I don't know. It just took, it took about an hour or two to get down to it. Once I got to it, you know, I was like, wow, this ain't bad. And then I got a bobcat and tried to clean it out where I can get the loader in there, and I started scraping back and forth. Um, once we got it off, about, so it was about 12 feet wide by 30 feet. We got a water truck from the down there, and we filled it up with water, washed it out, and looked at the asphalt. We're like, "Oh my God, it looks like brand new." There, it, it was unbelievable when we when we got it un, un, uncovered and looked at it. It was unbelievable. Then we just started working our way around, and what we did, we'd fill it up like a pond and let the, at the top side and let the water soak down through the bottom, and then it just popped off. So uh, it got a lot of work. We've been hauling. The weather's killing us. Um, the trucking business right now is such a boom. We can hardly get trucks to get it out there, but we're doing our best. Um, as of Saturday night, um, I worked till midnight, got up in the morning, started hauling the last of it off. I did not get it all the way out. There's still a pile in there. And uh, so that's all we got to do. We got maybe a half a day of, of hauling and the dirt is gone out completely out of the inside too. Now I did see that you're, um, getting rid of those concrete blocks. Are you guys going to pour new walls? Or are you going to be wallless yep. or are you going to have guardrails there? Yep. Uh, what it is is there was three, there was three layers or three rows of those blocks. All right. Once we dug the dirt out, which foot and a half, two foot deep in some places and deeper in the corners, the blocks were too high. We knew that could not work. Somebody hits it hard enough, they, they can fall over. So we took those off. So now we got the problem of the cracks in the, blocks that's going to be leaking dirt in um i've talked to uh um andy sheely and penis concrete and he's going to be doing we're going to be doing it in a two to three year phase 
This year, one and two will be torn out and replaced with a 14-inch wall with the new safety gate going in and off the track. And then the following year, we'll be doing 1,250 feet of the other wall. Okay. Talk to me yeah, about... So that's, that's the, that's the, there's two huge things that have to be done. Two huge things besides you know getting grass in that infill to get it seeded before spring is to get the wall and the pits done. There is actually... The way it's set up right now, you know, for the dirt, it would work. For asphalt, it's not going to work. We got to, we got to get some pads and everything made. Now, I'm glad you brought up. I'm glad you brought up the infield uh, because uh, as this whole thing has kind of unfolded, initially, uh, you were interested in leaving that inside dirt track there for the uh, for the micro sprints or for the 600 cc sprints, and you know, then we started seeing some questions and and some people started speculating. Is that still your plan, or, or, or was that still no, what you would like to do, uh, or do you move on from that? We posted uh, just the other day that we're taking it. We took it out. Um, there was a lot of reasoning behind that. One was the business side of it. Number two was the track and the inside was much higher than the asphalt track once we got down to it. So there was nowhere for the water to drain. The back stretch it could, the front stretch it couldn't. We'd have to put some kind of lift station in or all new drainage through the O-N field to get the water from standing on the asphalt track. That was probably the biggest issue. Um, and we didn't know that until we got down to the asphalt. Uh, the second reason is if I'm going to be running these huge shows, um, we, you know, we, we knew it would be a problem getting in, the cars on and off the little track to the big track. Um, you know, and we just know cleaning it and trying to keep it clean for these big shows that we're focusing on to make it work. Uh, we had to get rid of it. And Kevin, I, I guess, uh, you know, I've been there a couple of times with, uh, the ethanol tours. And, and I have to say one thing you probably don't have to worry about too much is your fan experience area. And that is the grandstands because you have one of the nicest ones that, around that I've ever seen. Yeah. That I appreciate that. Yeah, that is true. You know, but you know, you look at that thing and that big old thing and you look at it like, man, that's got to fit 5,000 people, but it really don't. It's 3,200 to 3,400 people we can fit in there. So, uh, what we've done is from the front stretch of the racetrack to the grandstands, there was an area back in there of the old bleachers and stuff used to be down there. We filled that up with dirt and also seeding that. So that'll be lawn chair seating on the lawns. And, and you know, we could probably fit another thousand people down in there. Um, in the next two years, two to three years, we're also got another set of grandstands similar to the ones that are standing there right now that we're going to put one in turn one a two-section, and one in turn four for the overflow pits. Expanding the seating. I like that. Um, yeah. And I guess uh, we could talk about this for a long time and pick your brain about it. It's exciting to yeah. hear what's going on at Plymouth. Any uh, any consideration or anything in the works to bring some sanctions down there? I know that CRA used to have really nice shows down there back when it was pavement, and that's just one example. Uh, anything yeah, like that I, in the works? I do not want to get into uh, <laughs> mentioning names right now. I figured as I much. I figured. I, I will tell you this. We have been contacted with probably four or five different ones, and that is a positive probably yes, but we just don't know when. Um, the Sprints have contacted us. Uh, with, you know, the uh, – I can't even think what's, what's – uh, Tyler Rory graces them. Um, gosh, dang, can't even think what they are. Uh, out of Anderson. The little 500 ones? Yeah, yeah. Back. Yep, yep, the non-wing okay. sprint cars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, we and, are going to 
Well, that's probably the one I can mention right now that we are in the works of scheduling something them on a Friday night down there. Yeah, so, and and that's uh, that's, that's uh, exciting too because they're working on kind of building that little sprint car series based out of Anderson. Yes. So that's fun to get yep. you included in that. Yeah. So yeah, for sure that that one I can mention and saying that's probably going to be going the right direction. Not one hundred percent, but ninety nine percent. We're just trying to figure out a date that works for everybody right now. So cool, Kevin. But on the other side, yeah, there is three or four other other ones that you know along with probably 20 other people that know how to run a racetrack they want to tell you <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> like 2,000 people <laughs> yeah for sure kevin man uh you, you know what, it's... there's no way there's no way i didn't mean to I'm, there's no way that i can do this without the help of uh, the team that i got from south bend that's going to be helping me in plymouth yeah um, with all the fans and the drivers uh the respect i have for all those people's they don't even know you know but well, it's but been like you said a little bit ago, you mentioned something about the front wheel drives and the Hornets, the money that we're paying them. Every race car driver is a race car driver at our track. doesn't matter what you drive. Yeah, for sure. It does not matter. So Kevin, it's been a lot of fun to kind of watch this process. Uh, you know, as Rich said, we were there when it was dirt. Jason Blonde is a good friend of mine. Uh, I was there a couple of years ago when he first took a dirt sprint car there, and he goes, man, I know what it looked like as a pavement track. I don't know what to do with it with dirt on it. Uh, and so I think he'll be uh, kind of excited to see it back to pavement along with a number of other people. Kevin, what's the best sure. way? How can folks follow along with what you've got going on and keep an eye on Plymouth Speedway? Uh, on the Facebook page. You know, we'll put it on the driver's page and the Facebook page. That's probably – yeah, you know, a lot of people say we announce a lot of stuff and post a lot of stuff. We do, but that's mostly where it will all be posted at is right there. Got a lot going on down at, uh, at Plymouth yeah, Speedway. Yeah, going on. Yeah, for sure. Kevin Sowers, uh, he's the man at Plymouth Speedway in Plymouth, I Indiana. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna give you the title, uh, you know, that way people know where to go. But uh, no, pr no pressure, Kevin. No pressure. <laughs> uh, and, of course, also his involvement at South Bend is, is uh, imperative as well. So, Kevin, we appreciate you making some time for us tonight. Uh, I know that you're down there in Florida staying busy. So thanks for making time. Excited to see what happens at Plymouth. I tell you what, guys, thanks for what you guys do. I mean, if it wasn't guys like you and and all the other guys that go out there and help promote and do little things, big things, you know, you, you it's dying off. We all know that. Mm -hmm. So we got to do our part to keep it going, keep the younger you know generation involved in it. And that's that starts with you guys, everybody. Well, in between uh, our interviews tonight, as if this show wasn't going to go long, uh, <laughs> we got to make amends. Rich, somehow we forgot to do this last week. Yeah, Zach, uh, this is a trend lately, and we need to fix this or we're going to be out of a job because this used to be an hour show, <laughs> and, we are, and we are nowhere near that anymore. Scott Menlin's probably – oh, man, I'm not even going to go there. But, uh, yeah, so this week we had – we couldn't forget this week. We had to bring Gary Lindahl back on. For Gary, did you know, Gary, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Well, it's good to be back with you guys. I was waiting with bated breath last week, too. And I'm going, and geez, they dissed me. They never called me. Hey, you know, so a, anyway. a distance relationship yeah. makes the heart grow fonder, Gary. We're, yes, we're... it does. But you guys are uh, obviously having way too much fun. And I see all the, you know, it's really hard with some of the things you got going. I know you got Kevin Sawyer on tonight with a Plymouth deal, and that's really hard not to talk to a guy for like, more than 10 minutes, you know, when he's got all that going on. You're exactly right. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And congratulations, by the way, to you guys on getting that award from the fan club. And I'll leave it at that. Appreciate that. Yeah, Gary, that 
we weren't expecting that at all. That was pretty cool. So uh, I think everybody on the team, and, and and also, you know, you're a part of this as well, so you can share in that because uh, I think we got about a half a dozen people that are involved in this in, in this program, and, and it takes all of us to make this thing work. So thank you as well. Well, you're welcome, and I, I enjoy doing this, and I hope everybody enjoys the questions that are out there. All right, Gary. Let's get. Uh, let's start with All the right, first one. Now, question, question number one for this week. Here you go, and this is uh, question number one. Why did this sprint car driver have dice on his wing, and how many were there? Oh man. Oh man. I wouldn't have known the answer, but I love the question. I do too. This is, is it, this is it, fun. <laughs> well, you know that's what it was. That was like the real Rokas question. Did anybody get that? By the way, I don't think anybody did get that one. Nobody got that one. Nobody they probably got groaned that one. when they see it, when they heard it, didn't they? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just hey, what the heck? Anyway, question number two: Who are the drivers in this Mark Time story? The headline: The Moose Man Beats the Bear. This would have went over my head as well. I, I, I I'm, uh, I'm too young for these Gary. One, did you know questions? <laughs> this is a little tricky too. That one, that was a little tricky. I know one of these drivers. I didn't know the other. So yeah, well, there you go. And there's a there's a story behind that. See, there's a story behind all these. But anyway, you guys don't have the time for those. Anyway, <laughs> what track? This is number three. <laughs> what track held a race called the Deicer? If if I was to give a hint. Because we see the answers here. I would just say I like the name of the race now. I assume it's the same race. Is it? I would. Un un unless they held it a little bit later. Oh, unless that it was later. That, you know what? You're right. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Never mind. I'm wrong. Yes, indeed. I'm wrong. <laughs> there you go. And <laughs> you guys are having way too much fun doing this, I can tell. <laughs> anyway, and we'll go to question number four. What driver won the first race at MIS, and what was unique about it? Oh, okay. Gosh, that was the first so, part of that I, might be okay because you can Google that and everything, but the second part, maybe not so much. Wow. Okay. And I know that was before Zach was born. Oh, easily. I know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that, that is true. <laughs> I, and, I, and I know that was – it wasn't before I was, but I mean – I know my father used to take me to MIS uh, for yeah. the NASCAR races, and it was long before that. So I was I probably. Actually have, I actually have two of those original programs, too, from that yeah, race. Yeah, I, I, I'm, guess, I'm guessing I was probably between six and eight years old when this happened. Mm -hmm. so, wow. But Very hey, cool. somebody might remember. I, I bet you somebody does. Somebody who lives out that way and has been oh, following, I'm sure they will. following that stuff like Rand Thompson. Who has the questions yeah, every week? Rand is all over <laughs> yeah, that. that guy. <laughs> yes, he is. All right, Gary, we appreciate this. Uh, it's always fun to get into these Gary Did You Know as we try to expand people's knowledge of years gone by in auto racing history. So thank you very much for uh, taking time to do it tonight. Good talking to you guys again. Enjoy the program. All right. See you, Gary. We'll talk to you soon, Gary. All right. Bye. Third guest for the night. You heard me right, third guest for the night. And uh, it's a special night on Horsepower Happenings as we uh, work on through getting into the offseason already up here. Uh, but Rich France, one guy that's already looking ahead to 2022, joins us now. Let us know who we're talking to. 
Well, Zach, uh, you know, I, I watched this gentleman, you know, I, I believe he was running, when I first started watching dirt, he would, I mean, I, I saw him win what, street stock races, I guess, or pro stock races. And, uh, you know, then last year I saw him probably the unenviable part of uh, jumping in the old, uh, the old blue deuce after Travis Stemler stepped out of it. But uh, now he's bouncing around a little bit. We'll talk to him a little bit. Jake Thompson, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks, guys. Man, uh, for anybody that hasn't hasn't followed you, you know, from when you started, give us a little idea of how you started in, in dirt track racing. Yeah, so I started racing in general when I was 12 uh, on asphalt and uh, started in a four-cylinder, um, worked my way through the ranks from, you know, like the lead sleds to the pro stock, street stocks, um, and been this would be my seventh year on dirt uh we kind of switched just because the asphalt world kind of was going downhill at the time and dirt was really excelling and we wanted to try something different um so we've been running dirt now we started in the street stock um seven years ago and uh, i've driven a couple guys pro stocks and we did have the late mile ride for half a season or a little over half season last year and had was pretty successful in that and uh now we're going into next year. Finally sold the street stock that we've owned for the last seven years, and we uh, bought an IMCA modified for next season. I want to work through it a little bit here as we look at what you got going on. Uh, your time in street stocks here in the state of Michigan has been really successful. When you say Jake Thompson or when you see that 50 car roll in, folks know they're going to have their hands full. How did you find such success in this division? What, what made you so good? Uh, well, the garage that I work out of, uh, my grandpa's garage, uh, we've been running street stocks. He ran street stocks for years, and uh, I got a lot of experience with, you know, the chassis that I was racing with, the Chevelle. I raced a lot of them on asphalt, and uh, a lot of the dirt street stock guys that are, you know, fast are old asphalt guys, um, and I don't know. I guess we take something away from that maybe, and that driving style, as most of the tracks you race on are pretty slick. And, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So, um, but yeah, we had a couple of really good years this last year. Competition picked up. We didn't quite get as many wins as we normally would. But um, 2018 to 2020, them three years were really good to us. So, And you weren't just uh, parking it at one track either. I mean, I saw you at a lot of racetracks across the state where you'd pull in. And, you know, if you had to slap the Hoosiers on, you'd slap Hoosiers on. If you needed American racers, you'd find a set of American racers. And you'd go out there and make that car work. Uh, and as you mentioned, racetracks in our area do tend to slick off and, and kind of stay dry slick, but there's quite a few variables to the racetracks I've seen you at, whether it's Merritt or Tri-City or, my goodness, I think I even saw you sneak down to Butler one time. Uh, I mean, even through all that, you, you're able to set that 50 car up and move toward the front. Yeah, I mean, the car itself is just a really good, consistent car. Uh, I was able to go to, yeah, a lot of different tracks around the state and not have to change a lot of stuff at all. So it was just a really good car. It was really hard to get rid of, but uh, with that street stock class being such a, a competitive class right now and there's a lot of people wanting to get into it um, and the timing was right to get rid of that car. And I've been thinking about the INCA class the last couple of years and I hated to sell it, but the timing was right, and I'm looking forward to uh, bigger and better things, I guess. Jake, I alluded to this uh, in your introduction, and you got to be a gentleman with a lot of confidence to be able to j want to jump in a machine that 
Travis Stemler just jumped out of. Um, talk to me about the decision to want to do that. Yeah, I got the call uh, and got that ride offered to me and uh, never stepped foot in a super late mile on asphalt or dirt before then. Um, with that being said, the Challenge Series was just starting up last year. It was like a week away, and that was the whole thing is we wanted to be able to run that. So I had about a week to prepare myself, and uh, we got one test at Mount Pleasant. Went really well for first time in a late model. Um and then we raced that next Friday with the challenge series with all the big dogs. And we struggled obviously a little bit first night in a super late model, but we made the A main and I believe it was a 50 lapper. We ran all 50 laps. Uh, we went to uh, Merritt the next night and same thing. We ran, you know, the whole race and that was a win in my book for the first weekend and one test session in a super late model. <laughs> you know, I think there was, uh, I don't know if you felt it, but it felt like from where I was standing, there were some high expectations for you in that late model. Did you feel that at all? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I knew it was good equipment and stuff. Um, biggest thing I feel like my problem was, you know, with seat time and lacking a little bit of knowledge in those things, you know what I mean? Uh, there's, they're so technical and, and everybody running up front in those things, your Stemler, your Marcoulier, uh, Thurlby, you know, all them guys, Chad Finley, they're, they got a lot of laps and a lot of knowledge. And, and uh, it was definitely fun to race against them. Uh, we got a handful of heat race wins. Uh, I think our best feature win was top five. Uh, we never did get a feature win, but that's hard to do with that group, like I just mentioned. Talk to me and, and, and tell our race fans, for anybody that doesn't know, um, you didn't, like you, you alluded to your grandfather's garage, but uh, you didn't just start racing. Kind of kind of tell everybody where you come from. Yeah, uh, my grandpa, he's in the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. Uh, he raced for over 50 years. Um, gosh, he used to be sponsored by like Carling's Black Label back in the day and Stroh's and he got flown to the racetrack in a helicopter and everything back in the day. So <laughs> wow. ever since I was, you know, really young, I've been around it. And uh, ever since I was born and went to the racetrack every weekend and uh, a couple of my cousins race and stuff like that. And my grandpa and me really actually used to scale a lot of people's cars out of his garage, people that didn't have scales and stuff. And so, gosh, I was around just scaling cars and everything from a really young age and just got a lot of knowledge about it. So. Jake, I don't know, uh, and I don't know if Zach knows this. In my final year, uh, when I retired in 2014, I got to race door-to-door uh, -door with Jay at Spartan Speedway um, when he had the Camaro. And um, it, it was, I didn't know, because I didn't race in mid and northern Michigan, so I wasn't really aware, but I have a photo of me and him running side-by-side -side down the backstretch that I will never get rid of. T tell me about, tell me about, you guys had an event this year um was it up at auto city uh tell me about that event that you had and it, it was it was a street stock event and tell me about how it went yeah the street stock class on asphalt has been coming around a little bit more here the last couple of years there's some tracks kind of putting the old school rules back into it and uh the class is coming back around um we wanted to do a memorial race for him um for the street stocks to auto city where he's ran a lot of his laps you know his last uh 10 15 years at least for sure before that he did some traveling and stuff but i mean the last 20 really years probably was mostly like auto city and dixie spartan but anyways the j50 it was called uh 50 lap street stock race uh there was 
24 or 26 street stocks showed up, uh, which is definitely the most street stocks that's been on asphalt at one track. Probably since like the Larry Loin's race that was at Dixie a couple of years ago, there was a ton of cars there for that. But um, yeah, we switched my dirt car over to run that race, which I do once in a while, like maybe once a year. Um, and anyways, we uh, were able to qualify. I think we qualified second or third and finished second to a uh, real good hot shoe on the asphalt this year in the street stocks. Bob Farley, he didn't lose very many races. So we had a good run, obviously one spot short, but uh, had a great turnout for it. And um, it was a good event. I got to ask, uh, Rich kind of unintentionally changed gears on me. I wasn't done talking to you about your late model ride. Um, and, and I'm going to ask the tricky question here and, and, you know, navigate it however you must. What led to you getting out of that 50 car last year? Um, just kind of, um, how do I put it? <laughs> That's why I said, do you, however you have to navigate it, because I don't think that really, I mean, people talk, but I don't think anybody really knows, uh, you know, how, how that all unfolded. I, I, I got to assume that there was, uh, maybe some disappointment on your end on how you were performing and, and vice versa. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was totally my decision. Um, I left, uh, just wasn't having as much fun as I was used to uh, with the team. Um, and so, you know, I had my street stocks in the garage that I could go win on, on any given night. And uh, and it wasn't a matter of not winning. I was having a blast in the thing, but just things just weren't lining up properly for me. And sure. I made the decision to uh, quit. All right. So you, as you mentioned, you're watching this B modified uh, class. You're looking at the competitiveness of the street stock class. You're kind of weighing your options. Tell me about your car. What do you got? Who put it together? Are you working with anybody, partnering with anybody? Uh, I mean, tell me why I'm going to watch for you to pick up some wins in this car next year. Yeah, so I went to Iowa twice in the last month. Uh, the first time to buy a car that didn't work out. Oh, no. unfortunately, all the way back home. Uh, the second time it worked out, and it's a Harris chassis. Um, it's got seven nights on it. Uh, it's like a brand new car and, uh, yeah, uh, it's real similar to that late model as far as like the suspension stuff. Obviously it's limited quite a bit more, but you know, same style suspension or whatever. Um, I got, to uh, do a little bit of study in this off season. And once again, just like the street stocks, the late models, I mean, there's a really good group of guys that are running up front in this IMCA slash BMOD class. And, uh, so, yeah, we're going to have our hands full and some learning to do. And uh, I got a couple people that I'm going to have helping me out. My guy that's done my shocks on my street stock, Jacob Poole. He's no stranger to the modified world. For sure. And also get some help from uh, Mike Liberta and his son, Mike Liberta Jr. They've been doing pretty well in the IMCA mod and uh, good friends with them. So between them two and I'm sure some other people, we should be able to hopefully – Get the ball rolling. And I'm telling you what, if you pick up a, a modified, an IMCA modified from Iowa, you got to have just already an astounding amount of, co of, of uh, confidence in that race car, just given that it has been around uh, some really good fields, even in, what, the seven shows that you said it might have run. Uh, those guys know what they're doing over there. Yeah. Uh, when I went and picked the car up, the guy was mentioning some big IMCA names from around there. It's, you know, it's a pretty big deal in Iowa, even, you know, bigger than Michigan. And, and, uh, yeah, he, he raced it seven times and won one, 
what he called a money race, you know, a bigger money race. So, so hopefully it's a good piece. Um, he said it really likes to drive slick and perfect. That's, that's what we're racing on most of the time. So hopefully it's a good ride. What's your plan for that car? Are you going to try to stay, you know, at a track and learn it, or are you going to have the mentality of race around and, and find out what it can do on different tracks and learn it that way? Kind of undecided on that. I don't know yet. Um, be cool to do like IMCA rookie of the year or something. And I'm sure, sure there's only a certain amount of races I can run on IMCA to, you know, be eligible at say next year, if I wanted to do it next year or something. So, I mean, there's some other tracks you could run like merit and be a B mod. Um, I think Mount Pleasant is a B mod. So I don't know yet. Um, just kind of got a new job too. So that might change things a tiny bit. Um, as far as maybe mostly Saturday night racing, I don't know yet. Friday night should be a problem, but I imagine we'll, start out with mostly tri-city merit and like we normally do and uh if we can get it rolling good soon we'll travel around a little bit that's the biggest thing with the car that i like about the imca is it's the same rules everywhere yeah that has yeah you change the gear and obviously make some other changes and you can go anywhere you know what i mean so um look forward to being able to do that uh definitely at the end of next year when we got more knowledge on it and hopefully are winning some races i want to echo his point by saying i'm i'm helping my dad try to put together a street stock right now and we're looking at the rule books across the state of michigan going i don't know what way to go (laughs) because (laughs) they are different so much across the state that sometimes it's hard to nail down exactly where you want to run so uh jake man uh congratulations first off on everything you have accomplished in that street stock and man good luck in this modified i think uh i think i won't be the only one who thinks you've got the talent to do something in a in a higher division class and uh maybe this is your stepping stone to get back to a late model at some point huh yeah that would be huge um Definitely. Uh, I think that we have a better shot at getting something like that, you know, in a modified. Um, and yeah, if we can have the success, we had, the success we had in the street stock, that would be huge. Uh, we had 40 wins in that car in uh, the six or seven years now that I drove it. And uh, yeah, that was, that was awesome. So hopefully we can definitely pick off some wins with this car. I mean, one feature would be shoe awesome in my first year in it. So For sure. like I said, with the group of guys that are out there every week that's got the laps and the knowledge and and uh i think we've got a car capable and i hope i'm capable and we'll see what happens jake man we appreciate you making some time to join us tonight we'll look forward to seeing what you can do next year thank you guys for having me i figured for old time's sake we'd put a massive show together <laughs> to, head, all- to head into the all-american 400 <laughs> we had what yeah. two weeks where we were almost at an hour uh yeah i don't think folks care we're we're bringing them some good stuff i do want to say thank you to hunter jack for uh making some time for us tonight kevin sowers was on his way to florida and made time to chat with us and jake thompson of course he had just got out of work and was able to chat with us tonight as well so and of course gary lindall appreciate him bringing us the gary did you know segment tonight here on horsepower happenings rich we got to pack our bags and get ready for the all-american 400 weekend yeah, we sure do, Zach. But I want to take one moment. Um, we touched on it with Gary, but we can talk about it for just a brief second here. Uh, we found out last week that uh, we are going to be receiving an award from the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club, the the Media Award uh, for 2021. And that was a very unexpected but an awesome honor. And I, I just want to thank everybody here for a minute uh, that that's helped us out with Horsepower Happenings. I mean, it's not just... You get to hear Zach and I every week, but it's it's really more than that. Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, right? Um, 
you know, without him tasking us to do this, um, we couldn't do it. And then, you know, with the, Chuck Darling, Big Ed and Los, uh, Chris Foby, um, Brian Osborne, Gary Lindahl, all these guys, um, you know, have helped out this season with their stories. You know, we, we've got, we were kind of busy this year, stretched thin, as, yeah. you know, we, we had talked about before. And, and these guys really stepped up to the plate to help out. And I want to thank them. They, they should feel good about this as part of theirs as well. Absolutely. And, yeah, I do want to echo that and say thanks to everybody who uh, makes Horsepower Happening successful. Do want to invite you to share to your friends. Get them hooked on it as well. As we mentioned, we're going to keep on doing this all through the offseason. Spotify, Google Music, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you find podcasts, we're there. And, of course, we're handy right there at horsepowerhappenings.com slash podcast. And that's going to wrap things up for tonight. Again, appreciate all the guests. Appreciate Rich France making some time for us as well. And as uh, he alluded to, our thanks to Scott Menlin, who helps pay the bills. I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.